Hello. Now, this episode is about designing for a sloping block. Whether you're choosing a home off the plan, you're building a custom-designed home, or you're renovating or extending your existing one, there are certain things to know so that you can make the most of your sloping block. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building, or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together, we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. So many homeowners get in touch with me because they have a sloping block and none of the inspiration that they're looking at applies to their scenario. They're confused about how to get a connection with their outdoor areas from the inside of their home, how they'll not spend a fortune in excavation and retaining, and how to best deal with the sloping terrain and contours on their site. And this can apply to whether your block has a has a gentle slope uh, to it, or it's like a goat, goat country and very steep, or somewhere in between. And it usually becomes a case of which of these three options you'll choose in how you build or renovate. So the first one is, you know, do you build or renovate so that your home sits elevated and floats uh, across the top of the site and completely independent of what's going on below it? Or... Option number two is do you excavate the site so that you create a flat platform that you can situate the whole house on and uh, that the home can be built or renovated on one flat pad. And option number three is do you do something in between and you step the home to marry in with the slope of the land so that you can create a connection with the site as the home terraces across the slope of the site and you're creating more of a split level home or something that steps up or down the block. Now, each of these choices, of course, will have an impact on your costs, the type of home that you can build or renovate, and the outcome that you'll create with your home as well. Now, when it comes to sloping sites, we often talk about slopes in terms of ratios of grade. So, you know, something like one in 10 or one in 14, for example. So what this actually means is that for every one meter or one foot of the fall vertically, there's a certain horizontal distance. So If you can picture a triangle uh, with the hypotenuse or the longest side is the slope, then the short vertical will represent one and and then the third side, the horizontal side, will be the distance. So the bigger the number, the gentler the slope. So a one in 14 grade is a gentler slope than, say, a one in two grade. You know, a one in 14 grade will mean that there's one metre of vertical drop or climb for every 14 metres of horizontal distance. And the same thing happens, whatever metric you're working in, be it feet or inches or anything like that, it's always, it's a ratio, okay? So one metre of vertical drop or climb for 14 metres of horizontal distance. And a one in two grade will mean that there's one metre of vertical drop or climb for every two metres of distance. So you're obviously sloping in a far shorter distance than you are with the bigger number. So you can see that the smaller the number, the steeper the slope. 
Now, I wanted to explain this a little bit first because it helps you understand some of the challenges that come to sloping blocks. So let's have a look at these now. All right. Now, one of the biggest challenges with sloping sites is that more than any other site condition, really, you, you need to think about your sloping site and the home that you're putting on it in three dimensions in order to design well for it. So when it comes to designing for a sloping site in arranging how rooms and spaces will be positioned on the block and how the, the house will sit on the site overall, you know, the most difficult thing I see for homeowners to try and wrap their head around is, is actually understanding the three-dimensionality of it all. And if you're working with a designer that doesn't use 3D computer tools, then it can be really difficult to picture exactly how things will work. In fact, if you have a sloping site, I recommend that you find a designer who does work in three dimensions inside the computer because they can actually show and test exactly how your home will be positioned on the slope. You know, even the most gradual of slopes can be quite de deceptive when you try to put a flat building on them. And when you can model the site in three dimensions and then model the house in three dimensions, all inside the computer, you can actually create a solution in the computer that helps you understand the amount of excavation and retaining before even getting any machinery on site. And you can really test how things will work in reality so that you can see the best position and level for the home during the design process. You know, time and time again, I've seen that any extra money that you can spend in documentation uh, in that phase of, of design and testing and drawing it up in the computer that will save you money during your build. It can help you minimize risks during construction as well as delays in site preparation in terms of soil removal and earthworks and services, you know, plus the actual construction itself. And whenever I've designed for a sloping block, even the slightest of slopes, you know, where I start is in section. So what this means is that I'm at a sketch phase, you know, at a completely conceptual sketch phase, I'm cutting cross sections through the survey plan at various points, both long sections and cross sections to understand what the slope looks like when you start to put flat levels on it. You know, where will it work to actually position the main level and extent of the house, the garage, the outdoor areas, for example? You know, this can all be done at a very simple diagrammatic level. And it's such an essential and important first step when you're wrapping, around your, wrapping your head around the constraints and opportunities of a sloping block. Because, and it's, you know, this is another challenge and something that is very important to understand, you know, what are you actually allowed to do when building codes or other items actually restrict the way that some of the things can be built on your site, how you can build them when you're dealing with a sloping site. So what I mean by this is that there are certain limitations in what grades or slopes you're actually allowed to use for various things when it comes to building. So a driveway, for example, is limited to certain grades uh, or slopes so that you can physically get a car up and down it and that a pedestrian can walk on it as well. Uh, and that the car can move up and down the driveway without bottoming out as it goes from the street to the driveway and then the driveway into the garage. You know, another example is a disabled ramp that will be limited to certain grades so that it's actually possible for somebody to get up or down it in a wheelchair and not be in any danger. And of course, you know, the rooms in your home, they're going to be level and flat, aren't they? But what are you going to do in terms of how you get from the street into the house? 
and the house to the garden and then deal with how things are going to sit over the top of each other in different levels of your home and how you're going to get from one level to another in the home. You know, when it comes to sloping sites and what to position where, the first place that I will always start is actually the driveway. And, you know, for the driveway to work and for it to not bottom out your car as you drive into your garage, it needs to be designed a certain way. There's, as I said, there's a maximum slope or steepness for most of the driveway and then ways that the top and the bottom of the driveway need to be designed so that you can graduate the movement onto the street uh, from the driveway and from the driveway into the garage. And of course, your street level is fixed. You can't do much about moving your street level and where the curb is. So working from that point is really essential. And when you start with the driveway, you can then actually determine what level the garage needs to be positioned at and how far back on the block it needs to be set so that the driveway can be the length that you need it to be to climb or descend to the level of garage that you want. And so starting with the driveway and the garage can actually be a really important uh, first step in setting out the position of the home overall when you're dealing with a sloping block. Now, another challenge with sloping blocks is how you deal with services like water and waste. Now, if your block is highest at the rear and it falls to the street, then of course you're going to have gravity to work in your advantage when you're getting waste and water piped to the services and infrastructure in the street where it will connect with that local underground infrastructure. One of your greatest concerns uh, in this type of scenario will be how you deal with water during, say, storm runoffs and overland flow. When you build or renovate, you've got a responsibility to deal with stormwater and runoff within your block of land. And so you'll need to consider what happens during construction so that you prevent water running off to the street and potentially taking dirt off site with it. And then you'll also need to work out how to put drainage in so that once your home is finished, you don't have water running off your site and into the street and the neighbor's properties. Now, if your block is lowest at the rear and highest at the front where the street is, then the challenge for you can be far more significant. Getting water and waste to run uphill, of course, doesn't happen naturally. And certain councils will actually require you to deal with your services in a specific way. So some councils and some water um, bodies and organisations, they'll allow you to keep water, uh, waste water and waste products on site and deal with it via specific means in and on your block, so in your back garden. And so these can include building some kind of pit or basin um, that has construction and material requirements to deal with what's going into it so that it doesn't overflow to people's properties and it can handle the capacity of what you're going to be putting into it. Some councils, however, they'll actually require you to pump it into the street uh, and connect into local infrastructure that way. And some will allow you to coordinate a solution with a neighbour so that perhaps you can run your services through their property uh, and create an easement to do so if gravity is going to work for you in that way to get it out to a nearby street. So, but of course, this is going to require for your neighbour to be on board as well. And, you know, sometimes you can often have to apply to council as well to get permission for this. And you can sometimes need to obviously pay uh, for the privilege of using a neighbor's land in order to do this for your property. So if this is your scenario, you can see that getting this sorted early in your project will be key. I have seen lot, far too many homeowners just assume that they'll be able to get it sorted one way. Uh, they've got their design all drawn up. And they've lodged it for approval and they've, uh, you know, then to find out that council has put a bunch of conditions in their uh, approval and that they're going to cost tens of thousands of dollars to implement, uh, their budget gets blown and then they can't afford the project at all. 
Now, another challenge that I mentioned is one at the beginning of the podcast, which was the option about, you know, how you choose to actually arrange the home on the site. So this is whether you are going to float your home over the top of the slope, creating it as an elevated structure, or alternatively, you bench the site. So you basically excavate and retain uh, the site to create a flat pad that you can sit the home on far more conventionally than a slab on ground type of um, configuration. And then there's the in-between where you terrace the site or the home or both so that the home can connect with the site at various points as it arranges itself across the block. Now, as I said earlier, each of these uh, solutions and options, they'll have a different impact on your budget and the type of home that you'll be able to build or renovate and the outcome that you'll create as well. Now, when you're juggling these options and trying to choose which way to go and what is possible and what it will cost, what I often suggest to homeowners uh, if, is if that you're trying to decide and you're getting confused about the difference in result and the difference in cost for each and what your budget, you know, how that might marry in with your budget, that you actually run a few different options at a design concept stage because getting some ideas drawn up and tested on paper that can help you have a far more realistic uh, and concrete conversation with builders about overall costs and estimates. And it can help you avoid choosing one option very early on based on a bunch of assumptions that may or may not be correct uh, or may or may not be the most suitable solution for your needs. Now, another challenge is how you make access into your home simple and that the access between levels is convenient as well. Now, when you design for a sloping site, you have to make decisions about how you want to move between the levels of your home. And depending on the grade of your slope, uh, you can sometimes be moving quite significantly uh, between, say, from when you step off the street through to the rear of your home. I did a design last year for a home that was on a roughly a one in two slope. So it was very, very steep slope, really significant. And what happened was that in the design the solution that I came up with, you know, by the time you entered the, the, the land at street level uh, and you started to move up into the home and then up through the home, getting to the uppermost level of the house as it terraced its way back up the block – you'd actually climbed a vertical distance of about 14 metres. So that's that's around five storeys. And so it's incredibly important that you think about how the design will accommodate that so that it doesn't feel like you're climbing a mountain every day in your home. And it is possible to do this. And I'll mention this uh, more when I talk about uh, opportunities and how to think about them for your sloping block. Now, there's, of course, also practicalities just associated with physically getting groceries from the car into the kitchen, for example, or to heading to bed each night, or perhaps having guests come into the home and getting into your main entertaining areas and outside. And if you have very young children or you've got elderly people living with you, you know, stairs aren't the safest place uh, for either of those groups of people. Um, and so that needs to be considered. And if you're if you're also looking at building a home for your retirement and considering considering how you'll age in place and have as much mobility in your home across the long term, you know, all of those types of things obviously factor in. And sometimes uh, lifts 
uh, actual residential lifts or dumb waiters, which are obviously small lifts used for, serv- for, for, for small objects. You know, sometimes these are included in people's plans uh, to deal with this and to create more convenience, uh, or at least they're building in the capacity to be able to fit them out later so that they've got some flexibility to add them down the track should they so need them. Now, ideally, we want to have a lovely indoor-outdoor connection and a flow where we can move simply from the interior parts of our home into the outdoor areas and the garden. And with a sloping block, you know, this can be difficult to achieve unless the home is designed a certain way to accommodate it. And even then, you know, you may only be able to get that indoor-outdoor flow happening with specific parts of the site. So this can be challenging if you're wanting to create, say, a usable garden for easy play space, you know, somewhere to put the trampoline or a play set, and to be able to easily supervise it from inside the home. And another thing I see homeowners often struggle with uh, on sloping blocks is about where to locate their swimming pool because if the pool is on a lower level of the garden but their living areas are all on an upper level, you know, working out how they can supervise the pool and get regular use of the pool uh, is quite tricky when it's a story or more away from them. You know, somebody has to be down in the pool area anytime the kids want to go for a swim. And I've seen homeowners actually build, you know, outdoor kitchens on their pool areas. They've put extra bathrooms on lower levels of their of their home. They almost do like a satellite sort of summertime living area down there so that they can, you know, they can use that anytime the pool is in use. And other solutions I've even seen is, you know, putting cameras uh, in to supervise the pool use from inside the home. Um, but that only really works if your kids are a little bit older and you don't feel like you need to be right in the pool area in order to fish them out should they get into trouble. But you still want to be able to keep an eye on things. And this is a really, it is a really tricky one to solve. And I get a lot of homeowners asking me this question about how to solve this. Um, so it requires some consideration to get it right. Now, as a result of all of these types of challenges, you can find that there's a, just a general challenge of um, that you need to overcome of your home feeling disconnected. So either from the land around it because you're building you know, a flat home on a sloping block. Um, or if you're terracing it, then you know the home spaces themselves internally they can feel disconnected from each other. And lastly, there's construction challenges around retaining an excavation. You know, retaining an excavation, they can suck huge amounts of your budget and they can dictate certain construction methodologies in order to keep your home waterproof over the long term and uh, and deal with how you'll keep water out of your house. So during construction, that can mean big costs in soil removal. It can mean preventing soil runoff into your street so that you don't anger your council or your neighbours as well. So there are a fair few challenges to overcome when it uh, when we're looking at how to design a new home or a renovation for a sloping block, okay? Uh, But there are some fantastic things that they've got going for them. And there are some brilliant opportunities for sloping blocks when you do know how to approach them and what to focus on to get great results. So let's go through those opportunities now. So sloping blocks, they can offer great privacy purely by virtue of not being on the same level uh, as the public domain in the street. 
Now, if your site climbs above the street, you can actually get privacy by having great elevation over the street and you can open your home up to views and breezes and light without actually enabling any views into the street um, that compromise your privacy. And if your site sits below the street, if your site's falling away from the street, you know, you can shelter your home. You can protect it from views in the street. You can almost maintain a view straight over the top of the house, depending on how steep the block slopes away. And as the home steps down the hillside away from the front of your block, you can protect and privatise it quite significantly. And this removes a lot of what many standard blocks are having to deal with when they're arranging the spaces in their home in order to protect and privatise those views in uh, and in overlooking from neighbours and those in the street. Now, another lovely opportunity is that you can create a lot of difference in the feeling of the actual spaces of your home based on the experience of your site and its conditions. You know, one of the lovely things that you can do on a sloping site is to really change the way that a home feels through how it connects within the home and with the land around it. When I've seen great outcomes uh, for sloping blocks, it's because they've really embraced how the topography changes their relationship with the site and the home's relationship with the site. So, you know, they've either looked at how they sit below the ground in certain places or they connect directly with it or they float over the top of it, you know, or perhaps they've provided a glimpse of a view or, uh, you know, access to a certain quality of natural light, you know, and how that can change over the site as well. There's actually an inherent changeability to a sloping site and that can lend uh, to the home, you know, a huge opportunity to change their feelings and the way that the spaces work inside it. Now, remember last in the last episode when I spoke about achieving privacy through levels when we were talking about wide frontage sites? You know, I talked about how many significant buildings in the public domain, they're placed on a pedestal of steps. So if you think, you know, like art galleries or large public libraries or even, you know, the Sydney Opera House is a great example, you actually ascend to those buildings as a really significant place. And in doing so, there's this feeling as you move through that ascension, there's this feeling of specialness and and separation that happens as you actually arrive at the building. And this, this, all of this is actually naturally possible in how you can create a home on a sloping block. It's all there uh, and available to you because the block is doing a lot of the work for you in that regard. So on a sloping block, you can often choose where you actually enter the house at. You know, perhaps you enter at a mid-level and you go up or down based on what views or assets your site has. You know, perhaps you also descend down into the entry and your home hugs the site as it rolls down the hill, which gives you a great and a grounded, you know, connected feeling to the land around it and an intimacy of really hugging the earth and being protected from the street, you know, almost hidden in fact. And you can create a lot of interest in how you choose to approach the design of your sloping block home in this way. When you really embrace what's possible, it's it can open up some fantastic opportunities. Now, another opportunity that sloping blocks provide is how levels can enable you to separate uh, out areas really well as well. So what I mean by that is, you know, often when you're planning a home that's all on one level, 
We'll be using walls and we'll be using other separation devices like screens or, you know, pieces of furniture or joinery to actually create divisions between rooms so that it delineates the use and the space um, from each other. But with a sloping block, you've actually, you can actually play with levels to do this and you can step up or down the block even by a few steps to create a really great feeling of threshold between spaces. And even without walls between them, you know, a room that has has different a different level to the room next to it, that can feel like a completely separate space without having walls uh, in between them. And this leads me on to my next opportunity, and that's that sloping blocks enable you to create an amazing sense of exploration and surprise. Whenever I've worked on the design of sloping sites, you know, the landscape and the approach to a home has actually been a really significant part of the conversation. You know, if you have to climb or descend a certain vertical distance to get to the front door, you actually want to make that journey feel like an enjoyable one. You know, one that has surprises and enjoyment along the way so that you're never quite aware of how far you're climbing, even just getting from the street to the front door, perhaps descending if your block slopes away. You know, you want that to feel like a gradual exploration with moments of joy rather than it being a long climb or descent, you know, to the front door and through the house itself. And you can you can do this in quite a compact space if you're intentional about how you design the journey in and through your home. There's actually a home that base architecture, which is a Brisbane firm did, uh, and it's the fir- it's the firm's owner's own home. And so I'm going to pop a link in the show notes so that you can check it out. Um, but Sean, Sean and Nat Godwin, who I've known for, for many, many years now, who own base architecture, um, in their own home, they made a decision that they were going to use the same set of stairs to get everyone into the house. So there's this lovely set of gradual terracing stairs that actually go from the garage up the outside of the home uh, to take, connect the garage and the street to the front door. And from memory, there's a dumb waiter that's in the garage, which helps them get groceries and other heavy stuff up into the main living area of the house, should they ever need to. But these stairs, they actually climb quite a distance, but they feel really generous and gentle. Uh, and you feel like you're exploring as you get to the front door. So you don't kind of notice that you're climbing, you know, the distance that you are. The home then has its its main living, kitchen, dining area all on one level, um, which actually sits up from the entry. So you arrive, you go up a few more stairs, and then you go into this lovely large open plan area. And then that connects out to the garden at that point, you know, big sliding doors, really lovely um, capturing of natural light and some outdoor spaces. And then the bedrooms sort of pivot around this. So you'll you'll go to different areas to go to the bedrooms and, and you'll be going up levels in some cases as well. And then there's also a second living space for the kids. Now, one of the traps that you can fall into is that, you know, as I said, those various parts of the home can feel quite disconnected as a result of terracing across the site at different heights and locations. But this home does a great job of exploring levels and how to connect gently between them. And the home still feels like one entity at the same time. You actually feel like you're exploring the home and the site as you ascend into it rather than you're climbing to a destination. Now, the second living space that the kids mainly use, it steps up from the main living areas and it's actually got some low height walls around it. So that enables you to get views through, but it still feel a sense of containment whilst it's connected to the larger living parts of the home. And it feels like a, a separate space that doesn't encroach on the main activity uh, in the home either. 
What this home particularly does well is it actually puts its pool up on the same level as the living areas. Now, it's obviously more expensive to build a pool this way. It's, it's, it's an out-of-ground structure, so it's actually formed concrete. But what Sean and Nat did was they positioned the pool on the western side of the home and it has a batten screen around it, uh, which then enables the home to be shaded in the hotter months. That breeze blows over the pool as well to cool down those breezes. It's a fantastic feature on the street elevation in terms of how the home looks from the street. And it means that the pool is sitting adjacent to the kitchen and living areas. So it's actually brilliant for visual access uh, and regular use. Now, you know, on a straight comparison, you will need more budget to build on a sloping site than on a flat one. Uh, but the opportunities are there if your budget is to create a fantastically, a fantastically functional home when you really embrace the topography and you use it to your advantage. Now, before we dive into the questions, I'll just remind you, you can download uh, a free guide for this episode, which will include a transcript uh, of the podcast, and it'll also include uh, an interactive worksheet to take you through some of the questions that you can ask about your sloping block, whether you're working with a designer or a builder, or you're just sort of starting to think about what you'll do for your new home or your renovation. It's really handy for you to work through some of these ideas. So you can head to the show notes to get the link for that. Otherwise, it's www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash sloping block. Okay, or one word. So undercoverarchitect.com forward slash sloping block, and you can grab your free e-guide that goes with this podcast episode. All right. Now, let me take you through the key questions to ask about your sloping block and the home that you're designing for it or that you're renovating and extending on it. Answering these questions and talking through these ideas with your designer or builder, they'll really help you tailor a solution to suit you, your budget, your block and your needs and make the most of the opportunities that are available to you. Now, question number one, what is your orientation and how will you have to specifically design your sloping block home to suit it? This can actually be a bigger deal to overcome than other block types because sometimes you're only able to get light from three sides, not four sides of the home as you either step up um, or down your block. So it's really important to have it front and center in your design approach and really understand the orientation and how you're going to work with it. Question number two is how will you drive into your property and into your garage and what does that do in terms of setting up your levels and where your home is located on the block? Question number three is, is the designer that you're working with able to model the home in three dimensions inside a computer so that you can really understand how it's going to be sitting on the site and how to make the best of that situation? Question number four is, do your services need any special consideration about how they're going to actually physically get out to the street? Question number five, which option are you going to choose? Are you going to float your home over the block? Are you going to excavate a flat pad and sit the home more conventionally on the site? Or are you going to try and terrace the home and do a combination of terracing the site and the home to marry the home in with the topography? You know, have a think about that and the type of home design that you're seeking so that you can choose well. Question number six is what does that choice, which, you know, choosing those options, what does that choice mean in terms of the materials that you'll be building from and the construction methodology that you're going to need to use for the home? Question number seven is how will you travel through the different levels as you approach your home from the street and also then travel inside the home? Can you make this feel gradual and generous so that you enjoy the journey? Question number eight is how will you use levels 
to create zoning and separation within your home. Question number nine is early on, have a think about how you can explore those few different options simultaneously so that you can make the most informed choice for your home, your site and your budget. So bringing your team on board, that will be an important conversation to have with your designer or your builder so that you can really explore those options in an informed way before you make the choice of which one's going to suit your needs. And question number 10, lastly, how will you arrange the spaces so that access between them is convenient and enjoyable even when you've got big level changes between them? Now, finally, I'm going to take you through the three scenarios that we look at for a sloping block, okay? So choosing an off-the-plan home, building a custom-designed home, or doing a reno and an extension on a sloping block. Now, firstly, choosing an off-the-plan home to build on to build new on a sloping block. It can actually be quite hard to find a suitable off-the-plan home for a sloping block, especially if you have one with a very steep grade on it. You may actually just be forced as a result of this to do a custom design for your sloping block. Um, sometimes you can find a builder who specializes in off-the-plan designs for sloping blocks, or you can find a design that could be simply split in the middle or in a couple of places and be done um, done with then a split level as a customization of a standard plan. See what opportunities you've got to alter an existing design with level changes within it if this is the definitely the route that you need to choose. And then you'll have to look at what happens with your ceilings and your roof structure because, of course, if you're splitting the house in half and changing the level of it, that's going to change what happens at the roof and the ceiling levels. You know, alternatively, you could find a builder who can do an off-the-plan home, just elevate it on stumps and float it over your block. And that may be a better option for your budget if that's the kind of thing that you're seeking to do. Next, let's have a look at getting it right in a custom home design for a sloping block. So for this option, as I said earlier, I really do suggest that you just run a few different scenarios at a concept stage to see which is going to be the most affordable and suitable for your needs. Now, in my mind, and what I always seek to achieve for homeowners is, you know, that they actually terrace the home uh, and the sloping block to marry in with each other so that you can create an indoor-outdoor physical and visual connection as much as possible and so that the journey through the home can always feel gradual and feel grounded and connected to the site. I can't emphasize this enough though, getting help in visualizing and designing the home in three dimensions. It's really essential in creating a custom design that's going to work for your sloping block. That it can make a huge difference in determining how much dirt actually needs to come off the site, the extent of retaining that you'll need to do, and how many internal levels uh, will actually meet the ground plane, you know, all before you build it in real life. Sometimes the smallest tweaks in the computer can save big bucks in construction, and it's great to be able to explore all that in three dimensions for a sloping block. Now thirdly, let's look at renovating or extending an existing home on a sloping block. Now often a renovation on a sloping block, it'll actually be largely determined by how the existing home has dealt with the slope already. But sometimes you can look to gain, say, extra space in underneath the home by digging out underneath it and creating that additional floor um, because it's partly excavated or the land is sloping away already. The things that you need to check before going down this route, though, are your footings and looking at how far down they go and the work that will be involved in underpinning them if you're excavating further uh, to get that height that you need in underneath the house. And you also need to check your services and how you'll get water out um, around those areas. 
Now, another option that I, of course, see is homeowners um, raising their existing home to get that space underneath the home. So it might be almost there, but not legal height, or their home just might be lending itself to being raised and restumped. Now, if you're doing this, you need to examine how much additional excavation and retaining that you'll need to do and how all your new levels will work. And also consider how you'll handle this aesthetically and how you'll marry the existing home into its new lower floor if you're raising it to build in underneath. Because far too often I see these quaint timber cottages lifted high into the air uh, with little thought as to how they're going to appear scale-wise as a big new two-storey home. And they have this massive run of stairs to get people physically from the street up to the front door. Now, a bolt-on extension can actually be a great strategy when you're extending on a sloping site, and sometimes you can leave the existing house exactly where it is, and then you can add an extension which sits on the site where it needs to level-wise, and it connects back into the existing home with the level transition happening between those two spaces, the existing home and the bolt-on extension the level change happens in the connection zone between them. Now I'll pop some links uh, to projects in the show notes so that you can actually see I've got a few examples of how a sloping site has informed the type of home created for its site and uh, and hopefully they'll inspire you to think some up some ideas for your block. There's both renovations and new homes there so you can have a look at that. Okay, so that's it for sloping blocks. Now, I hope you found this helpful. And, you know, even if you've been listening and you don't have a sloping block, um, you know, I'm getting feedback already that the other episodes are helpful for people just when they don't have a standard block to think about different ideas about approaching their new home or renovation design. And I really hope that some of the ideas uh, and the way that I talk through questions and concepts in this episode really help you with your future home. Now, remember to grab that free guide from www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash sloping block. I'll pop uh, a link in the show notes for that. And then I'll also have the other links uh, there that I mentioned for you so that you can check out some project ideas for your sloping block and uh, see how that inspires you for the design of your new home or renovation. In the next episode, I'll be discussing acreage blocks and design approaches and ideas that can help you make the most of that type of land. So make sure you tune in for that. Now, before I go, I'd love to know, are you enjoying listening to the Get It Right podcast with Undercover Architect? If you are, can I please ask three favours of you? The first is, could you please subscribe to the show on your podcast listening tool of choice, be it iTunes or Android, so then you're the first to know when the latest episode is live. The second favour is please leave a review for the show on iTunes. Now, they don't make it easy. I'm full of gratitude and admiration for anyone who manages to navigate the technological hurdle of leaving a review on iTunes, but it does make a massive difference to helping people find the show and seeing if it suits them. So if you can leave a review, that would be absolutely awesome. And the third favour is please tell your friends, your relatives, your neighbours, your work colleagues, the postman, (laughs) anyone that's willing to listen to you that the Get It Right podcast exists. You know, so many of you have told me that you found this podcast because someone referred it to you and that's brilliant. Uh, The more people that have this knowledge about how to get it right when designing, building or renovating their homes, the more level the playing field is and the more clever and empowered homeowners we have demanding better from the design and building industry. And that's how we improve it overall. 
Thank you so much for spending this time with me and for tuning into the Get It Right podcast. This has been Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. Think of me as your secret ally. Until next time, bye.